Four years ago, Wayne Tesh, the co-founder of Royal Family Kids Camp, he came here, Orphan Care Weekend, to tell us about this amazing movement, about treating kids in the foster care system like royalty, getting kids together for, for a week in the summer and just creating memories and moments that would last a lifetime, changing the trajectory of children's lives. And so we launched into that because that weekend when Wayne was here, over 500 of you responded in one weekend to participate in some fashion in this movement. And since then, we have had six camps, we've had 223 campers, and over 500 volunteers at camp blessing kids, making a difference in the lives of children that have been so disillusioned. So with that, I would like to ask you to welcome the man that taught me how much one week can truly matter, Wayne Tesh. Thanks, Daryl. Take your turkey leg and, yeah. I've never seen that in church before. Wow. Hey, all that I can say, you people in Colorado, I've been cold ever since I've been here. I'm from California. Oh, you must have antifreeze in your blood, man. That's all I can say. Unbelievable. It's good to be here with you again. Uh, we work with children in the foster care system, children who have been thrown up against walls and locked in closets, children who hide under their beds in fear and whose nightmares are real, children who have been beaten with two-by-fours and whipped with bicycle chains and burned with cigarette butts, and for one week out of their life in the cathedral of the outdoors surrounded by God's people. Seeds of hope and healing are planted within their lives. You are part of an army of compassion that is marching across America to make a difference in the children in foster care. It's exciting. You, there are 244 uh, camps in 43 states and seven foreign countries. There are over 10,000 kids and 15,000 volunteers that were involved with camp last summer. We take 8.5% of all the children in America between the ages of 6 and 12 to a week of camp because God's people get excited about that. And there, the miracle of all miracles, there's over 20 different church denominations that are involved with us. And that's where God shows up and great things begin to happen. I love camp. I love being with the people. And I had this one uh, experience in 1995 when I visited a camp in Michigan. And as I walked through into the camp, a little boy comes running to me and he says, Pastor Tash, Pastor Tash, me and Jesus have a lot in common. Now, I've been around for a long, long, long time and I've never heard any child since then or before then ever say, 
me and Jesus have a lot in common. So I got down on one knee, and I'm waiting for his response. And I said, tell me, what, what is that? He said, we both have foster dads by the name of Joseph. <laughs> you learn a lot from kids. Now, I come from a home where my parents were married over 60 years. My um, wife's parents were married over 60 years. We came from a kind Christian family. And um, my wife and I, we've been married for 102, 51 for her, and 51 for me. And <laughs> so we've been around for a long, long time. And, but we're so thankful for that Christian background when you realize that one out of every three women, one out of every six to seven men come from a background of physical, emotional, sexual, neglected backgrounds. I can't imagine what a home is like with yelling and screaming, alcohol and drugs, violence that takes place. I can't imagine what that's like. But our kids, for one week in the Cathedral of the Outdoors, experience what it's like in a family context 24-7 to eat together, play together, pray, and play together. It doesn't get much better than that. And um, after that boy said that to me, and I forget his name, I, I, but the words were so powerful, I um, started to look in Scripture, and I said, I wonder if there's any other heroes of the faith that grew up in homes other than their own. So, hmm, Moses, you know Moses, you know the story. There's many leadership principles. So I'm just going to take a few moments, slices of his life, and just um, share a few of those with you. Moses was put in a basket in the Nile River by his mother. Pharaoh's daughter comes down sees the basket, picks it up, opens up the top, and there's Moses crying, Scripture says. Compassion on Pharaoh's daughter's heart. And in that moment, in that moment, what Moses went from Baltic to boardwalk in a split second. Went from slavery to the palace. God was there in Moses' life. And you know that story. Well, let's fast forward 40 years. He's been around. He's had the best education. He's eaten some of the finest foods. He's been involved with some of the greatest travels of his day. He know, He's experienced life at, as a, at, at a fullest that he could. And all of a sudden, he noticed that there was a um, Egyptian that was beaten up on an Israeli. And he said, that's wrong. And he flashed with anger. And he, out of anger, he just started to wail on this guy. And he lost it. And he, he was dead. He killed him. So Moses, it says in Scripture, he looked around and buried him. And thought, okay, nobody saw me. And the next day, two Israelites says, we know what you did, Moses. And he said, oh, my goodness, if they know, Pharaoh knows. I better get out of town. So he's a fugitive. And he runs away out in the desert. He went from a castle to camping in the desert for the next 40 years. And here's where I want to come in now. 
and say, here's Moses. He's out in the desert tending the sheep and he sees a bush that is burning. He just sees the fire in the bushes and burning. And he said, that's kind of strange. So he walks over to the bush and all of a sudden the voice of God comes out and says, Moses, you're on holy ground. Take off your shoes. Takes off his sandals. And uh, he, he said, Moses, I have heard the cry of my people. And you are the one that it will lead them out of Egypt into the promised land. I've heard their cry, and you're going to be the one. And Moses goes, eh, I don't think so. Uh, I, you know, I need some help here. Uh, I, um, I, I'm not good at speaking. I, I don't know what to do. And Moses says, and here's the point of this whole thing. Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses looked, and it's probably about a five-foot tall staff that Moses is leaning on. And, Mo, and God says, throw it down. He threw it down, and it became a snake. And it says in Scripture, Moses started to run. I, I, five-foot snake, I'd run too. You know, I'd go, whoa, I don't see those in California. So I'm going, what, what's going on here? And God stops him and said, pick it up by the tail. He picks it up, and it becomes his staff again. So the question is, what's in your hand today? that you can bless foster children with. That's the issue. What do you have in your hand where you can bless foster children? A basketball worth a hundred and some dollars, an NBA Spalding basketball in our hands is just a basketball. But a basketball in LeBron James' hands is worth a four-year contract of 153 million. Because God always increases what we have. That's how our gifts are used. As we step out, more things begin to happen. And more people's lives are changed. A baseball bat in our hands is maybe $100. But in Mike Trout's hands, that ash baseball bat with the barrel that tapers down to the knob, 33 ounces, that in Mike Trout's hands becomes a $34 million contract. You look at uh, scripture, the little lad that had five loaves and two fishes. In our hands, that'd be nothing more than a fish sandwich. But in God's hands, it's blown up little as much in the kingdom of God because he grows it up and makes something different. So what's in your hand that you can bless foster children with? Is it an extra bedroom for respite care? Is it voice lessons that you can help a child learn how to sing? Is it tutoring? Is it something that you can teach a child to read? Is there a way in which you can take them fishing in this beautiful place of colorful Colorado that you can help them experience the outdoors and be with them? Because how you spell love with children is T-I-M-E, time with children. And for children in the foster care system, those moments matter. It, they matter tremendously. And that's what we have to offer to the Lord. Let begin to think about today what you can do
to bless foster children in this community. Well, besides Moses living in a home other than his own, there's um, another one, Esther. She grew up in a kinship group. That kinship group was where her parents passed away and she went to live with Mordecai, her uncle. And her uncle said to Esther in her teenage years, something with, so filled with destiny, who said, you may have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You may have come to this church for such a time as this on Orphan Sunday. Now, not everyone is called to adopt, and some guys are probably saying, oh, whew, good, I'm glad you said that, Wayne. Others of you may have been be called the foster parent. Not everybody's called to that, but everybody's called to do something. And what is it that you have in your hand that you can do? The words that you say make a huge difference. Well, besides Moses and Esther, there's Samuel. And you know the story of Samuel. Most of you know the story of Samuel. His mother and father could not have any children. And Hannah would go to the temple once a year, which was their ritual, would go to the temple and pray to God, God, if you could please give me a son. And I would turn him back to you. I would dedicate him to you. And he would, he would be a servant for you. I believe that that's what I would love to do and I'd love to see. And God heard her prayer and Samuel was born. And after Samuel was weaned, he, he, Hannah takes her to um, uh, the temple. And um, I've often wondered, you know, Eli wasn't really a, that good of a guy. His um, sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were real terrors of the temple. They were pastor's kids that got off the rails and just did their own thing. They had businesses that they were conducting while they were going through the sacrifice of uh, that spiritual sacrifice. They would go to the priest ahead of time and get the meat and go out and sell it. They also had a little business on the side in a brothel. So they, they were not, Scripture says, they were unscrupulous individuals. They were real scoundrels. And everybody knew that. And this is what I can't understand. How did Samuel end up in that mess? And you knew it's not a good foster. Eli couldn't even probably pass the state licensing test to be a foster parent because his home was pathetic, out of control. And here... Hannah places Samuel in that. But in 2 Samuel, there's a little verse. When Hannah would come to visit every year, think of that. I like that. It says every year because that's what we do camp once a year. When Hannah would come to visit, she would bring a priestly robe that she had made. And she would put that on Samuel. I could just see how this goes. Puts it on Samuel and 
looks into Samuel's eyes and say, Samuel, you've been dedicated to the Lord. I prayed that God would use you in a mighty way. And I just want you to remember that we love you. We care for you. And God is calling you to do something great. Just do what God wants you to do. And remember, you're a priest. Mark Batterson in his book says, he says it best. In every, there's a moment in every childhood and in every child where the door swings open and the future walks in. And that's what happens and happened, I think, to Samuel to keep him on the straight and narrow. There was a mother that was praying, loving and visiting him every year and would put this um, uh, robe on him as a symbol of what he would be doing. One of the interesting things is that um, when you look at Samuel's life and what he did, it was astounding. And it's like what happens with God. God's not concerned about our past. With Moses, with him being a fugitive and a, a murderer and just a, a bad overall guy, supposedly, God is more concerned about our future and what we're going to do with what he has for us. I love camp because there's so many great stories that take place. I'll never forget in trying to understand the pain that takes place in children's lives. And the pain that was overwhelming to me was when kids move from home to home to home. And nationally, for every year you're in foster care, you are moved into a new home. And I just can't put my arms or head around that. That is, we wonder why kids have problems. We wonder why over 70% of prisoners in prisons come from the foster care system, that over 85% of girls and boys that are trafficked come from foster care. This is a battleground where God's people can stand up and change children's lives because you're willing to help. And um, I couldn't understand it, but I was able to catch it somewhat when um, we're sitting at the table and we had a, I, we grew a garden in California because I'm from upstate New York. My grandparents were farmers and I wanted my daughter to understand that from small seeds, great things happen. That to get a great harvest, you plant seeds and you nurture it and you watch it grow. I wanted her to have that garden experience. And I said, okay, Renee, we're going to plant radishes, cucumbers, beans, carrots, corn in our backyard in a plot. And we're just going to uh, see and enjoy the garden and the fruits of our labor and, and we'll, we'll have a, a bountiful harvest. So we're sitting around the table and Renee, our only daughter, says, Dad, the carrots aren't growing. And I said, the carrots aren't growing. What do you mean the carrots aren't growing? She says, well, every time I come home from school, I run to the garden and I pull up the carrots. 
And I look at it, and it's just small, and I put it back in, and put dirt around it, and then I go away. And the next day, I come and I pull up the carrot, and they're just not growing. And then we wonder why children have such difficult times when they're pulled up from one home to another home, another home to another home. And what that does to the psyche and the heart of children who all what they want is safety, security, and love. And that's what we as a church can do in our communities. These are not our children, but they're God's children. And we are God's family. And they're looking for forever homes and people that will be kind and nice to them. And on Friday, when um, the children go home, it's tears. Tear City. There's that breaking of relationship that was so knit together. And um, some, of the, some of the things that are said as they're going home just break your heart. I'll never forget one little boy who was having a difficult time and his counselor, Paul, comes up to him and says, uh, remember, Jesus loves you. And all you have to do is pray to him and he'll take good care of you. Believe me, he'll, he loves you and, and so do we. And, and this little boy looked at Paul in the eyes and said, I know all that Jesus stuff. I can't play catch with Jesus. I can play catch with you. One little boy who came up to the nurse and said, I know that you have three girls in your family. And how would you like to have a little boy in your family? Uh, he goes at the group home when people come to pick kids out. When I know people are coming, I brush my teeth, I comb my hair, I put a smile on, their fa on my face, but nobody has ever picked me. Could I go home with you? Ministry breaks your heart, and if it doesn't break your heart, you're not following after what God's doing. What's in your hand that can make a difference in the community here in Northwest Colorado? I'd like to pray a scripture prayer over you. Dear Father, we thank you for these moments. We thank you for your goodness and grace and your love and your mercy. We thank you that we're part of God's family, your family, and you're just, your grace is so overwhelming. But Father, Psalm 40 is the child's prayer. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. And he put within my heart a new song. Lord, I pray men and women you'll speak to and call that they'll be that individual that will lift up those children out of those hard and difficult places. That you'll set their feet upon a rock and they'll, you'll be able to give a new song in their hearts, Lord. Continue to bless this church to be a blessing in this community. We ask this and all of God's people say.